In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. It's the first week of the new year of our Lord, 2024. And I'm wondering, how do we talk about an eternal high priest in a new year? Don't those years kind of grind? They don't seem to fit together. And I tend to be suspicious, especially as I get older, of the word new. Let me give you a reason why. A friend of mine who was ordained probably 40 years ago now, mass at a parish, shaking hands, and this man emerges from the crowd in this touched by an angel moment, thumps him in the chest and says, Remember this, Father, novelty is the lust of the theologian. So whenever I hear new and improved, I'm a little suspicious. So how do we talk about an eternal high priest in a new year? Well, we're grateful for a new year in a sense, because we who live through time, we need to have a sense of we're going somewhere. There can be a true resetting. There can be a new beginning. And that new beginning for us in time is always in relation to Christ, the eternal high priest. Some dear friends of mine are survivors of the seminary trials, the years of agonizing reappraisal in the 1970s and 1980s. And one of the magic words was new models of priesthood. And new models of priesthood obviously didn't necessarily include celibacy and didn't give a primacy to the sacraments. The new model of priesthood was to break down the barriers or the differences between those who were ordained and those who were not. The priest, we were told, was meant to be an enabler of other people's giftedness. A priest I know, a member of a certain religious community, but to have some familiarity, who is also a pastor of a very large parish, said that his primary job as pastor was to call a meeting, put on a pot of coffee, and get out of the way. And I wondered to myself, why did we spend so much money on your education when we could have had a coffee pot with a timer? And what do your vows mean if that's all that you're about? So somewhere in this new models of priesthood, we lost Christ. If we lose Christ, of course, we lose everything. So priests, by their ordination, are configured to Christ, the one high priest. Christ himself is the agency of the sacraments within his priests. But a priest in time and in his own flesh and in his own soul must grow more and more in conformity with Christ, the archetypal priest. Otherwise, you have someone who's validly ordained, but perhaps a moral reprobate or a moron. So we used to say in seminary formation, if you put a man under the ordaining hands of a bishop who is a turkey, you end up with an ordained turkey. Grace can be miraculous, but it's not magic. It's not related to the unreal. So here we are with a new year, and we're told there's new everything. Theologically, two plus two doesn't have to equal four anymore. There's a magisterium that goes by the name of the one person who is apparently the proprietor, the owner and operator of that magisterium. So I thought it would be well for us to talk about what does it mean to live in a new year in a time of change with an eternal high priest. 
Well, let's avoid making some old mistakes. Let's not separate Christ the priest from Christ the king from Christ the prophet, which is what we should be thinking about now as Epiphany is just around the corner. Golden kingship, frankincense and priesthood, myrrh and prophecy. I had an astonishing experience many years ago. I went to get the ciborium for the tabernacle of a beautiful church, and I opened the tabernacle for the first time, and the gold of the back wall inside of the tabernacle was polished to a mirror finish. And there I was, in between, a, a mediator, to coin a phrase, with Christ and the blessed sacrament and the gift of heaven in front of me, and God's people behind me. And there I was bringing the needs and the poor offerings of God's people and returning with the bread from heaven. And whatever priesthood means, if it doesn't mean that above all, then it doesn't mean anything. Just walk away. Stop listening. Those people have nothing good to tell you. And if you really want to get people upset, relate the priesthood of Christ to the kingship of Christ. There was a time when Catholics talked without embarrassment about the social reign of Christ the King. That was back when we didn't see Christ as an absentee landlord after the ascension. He's out there in the back 40 doing something and eventually he'll come and collect the rent. But it's really got nothing to do with us. Christ our Lord said that all authority in heaven and earth had been given to him. And he reigns now. He in his person, the very word of the Father, the eternal truth of God, he himself is the sacrament of order. He himself is the skeleton of the hieros arche, the holy order, the hierarchy. And apart from re reference to the rule of Christ, there is no order. Belloc was right, Christ or chaos. Those really are the only options. And we've been writing on chaos, how far back you want to count. I'll just arbitrarily say 1945, but it's been longer than that. We haven't been doing so well. It's time to recover what was lost. It was time to cling again and draw from the one we were told we didn't really need. The one who was just a privileged option among many. And then they really get serious. We have to take the priesthood of Christ and the kingship of Christ and link it to prophecy. The prophecy rightly understood. In ordinary language, we, we think of prophetic as predictive of the future, uh, a, a soothsayer, a kind of divine fortune teller. And while a true prophet does have something to do with statements about the future, that's not the full meaning of prophet. Now in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and somewhat less today, because the advocates of this bad idea of taking a prophetic stance, happily they were not fruitful and they've gone from the grace of diminishment to the grace of completion. But we were told back in the day that to take a prophetic stance was to contradict the church Christ founded. 
that religious women not wearing a veil at the Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C., interrupting John Paul during a talk he was giving in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. Certain people applauded that as a prophetic stance. Her community is not doing so well. They've both gone to God. I commend them all to God's mercy. So what does it mean to be a prophet? It means to speak in the present God's judgment on the present. And a statement of what will happen if we are in harmony with God's invitation or not. Repent and live. Refuse to repent and die. In Genesis, God told Adam and Eve, if you eat of the fruit of the tree, you will die. Well, they bit the apple and they were still walking around. But that was biological life. In Greek, that would be bios. But what they lost was zoe, the spiritual life. They lost the life of grace. They became spiritually dead, which is a bit of a problem because they have a spiritual destiny. They were made to delight in union with God. Oh gosh, who was it? St. Irenaeus said, We were meant to be as divine by grace as Christ is by nature. Adam and Eve spit that grace out. They rejected that. And so Christ is the best and final offer of God. And here is his prophetic message. Accept him as priest and king and prophet or die. Apart from me, you will have no life in you. You will have no zoe. You will have no spiritual life. And to have my life in you, you have to die with me. And so in the brilliance of the Byzantine iconography, when you look at a Byzantine manger scene, and we'll focus on, oh, get it, manger Christ, Eucharist food, the Christ child is swaddled in a shroud. What an odd thing to do to a newborn infant, unless you knew that he was born to die. Unless you knew that he was born to take on and absorb the worst effects of sin and death and overcome them and extend his pierced hand to us and say, follow me. Die with me, rise with me, live with me, reign with me. Priest, prophet, and king. Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Semper idem. Christ is and can only be the final offer of God Almighty. For those of us who want divine life within us, for those of us who want to revel in divine intimacy for eternity, we have to relativize this world, both its pleasures and its pain, its temptations and its abuse and its praises. We have to relativize everything that the world can give and everything that the world can take away and say, but I choose Christ, who is the anointed of God, priest, prophet, and king. He is the one sacrifice acceptable to the Godhead. And my own poor life my own divided, broken heart, my wicked will, my darkened intellect can all be nailed to the cross with him and with him be resurrected to new life 
and finally offer a hope of healing and glory and joy. In God's providence, we've made it to another new year. Not inclined to make predictions, save that there will be challenges and God will be faithful and the variable is us. On this first Thursday of the month, as we give thanks, as we celebrate Christ in his office as eternal high priest, think about what he has done for us. Think about what he offers us. And think about where we can be with him if we say yes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.